Welcome to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening this week. The Super Bowl returned to Miami for the first time in a decade. It will return to Florida next year in Tampa. Florida will be the only state to host the big game in consecutive years, and it will have done it three times by the end of next year's game. One change next year is that there will be legal sports betting in more states than ever before. It's doubtful Florida will be one of those states, though. Supporters, however, are sharpening their arguments, hoping to push the line to make it legal to bet on sports here in the Sunshine State. The pace of legislation around the country is dizzying. Opponents, though, are holding to a new voter-approved constitutional amendment. The people of Florida have the final say on this and any other form of casino gambling. And a top lawmaker is making clear he's interested in making a bet to allow for sporting bets. There are are ways to approach it that I believe uh, would withstand a, a legal challenge. Now, there was no debate over sports betting in Florida just two years ago. In the spring of 2018, however, the U.S. Supreme Court threw out a 26-year-old federal law that banned sports betting everywhere except for Nevada. Today, 20 states are in some stage of allowing betting on sports. Florida is not one of them, but sports betting lawyer and advocate Daniel Wallach thinks eventually it will. The economic upside and the opportunities that are available for all stakeholders, as well as for the state you know, tax treasury, is it, it's, it's, it's so enormous that the question really comes down to uh, a matter of timing and the right political moment uh, rather than whether it's going to be a good thing for the state. But advocates will have to address Amendment 3. In 2018, 71% of Florida voters okayed adding language to the state constitution granting, quote, voters the exclusive right to decide whether to authorize casino gambling in the state of Florida, end quote. John Sawinski runs the advocacy group No Casinos that pushed successfully for the amendment. Amendment 3 is very clear. Anything that is considered Class 3 gambling under the Federal Indian Gaming Regulatory Act is subject to the amendment, which means that the voters are in charge. As these debates often do, it may rest on the language of the amendment that voters okayed. As Sawinski said, the amendment defines casino games as those under the federal classification as Class Three games. That classification captures a whole range of gambling, including sports betting. But Daniel Wallach and other supporters of sports betting argue the amendment includes that category, plus this phrase, quote, games typically found in casinos. And he says sports betting was not typical in casinos when Florida voters okayed the amendment. And as of November 6, 2018, um, there were 40 or so states that had legal casinos. And in only six of those states could you say that sports betting could be found in a casino. The definition is crystal clear in our amendment. Sawinski again with no casinos. Why are sports gambling interests so afraid of the will of the people of Florida? The amendment that voters okayed added 459 words to the state constitution. It includes a list of examples of the types of gambling that would have to be okayed by voters if they are to expand and be offered in Florida. Backrack, roulette, craps. But Wallach says sports betting is not singled out by name and differs in an important feature from the games that are mentioned now in the Florida constitution. They share one common thread. All of those games that are listed as included are games of chance that are determined by the flip of a card, the roll of a dice, or a random number generator. Go through that list. That is the one common thread connecting all of those examples. Sports betting 
is not included within that uh, connective tissue. It's a contest of skill. The fate of sports betting right now in Florida may rest with the political skill of the state Senate president, Republican Bill Galvano. He has led negotiations over gambling for years in the state legislature, and he has put sports betting on the agenda for lawmakers this session, even as he acknowledges it's a narrow opportunity, but one he thinks exists even with the constitutional language. It, it is threading of, of a needle, uh, but more importantly, as, as you know, we, we look at possible changes to the status of gaming in the state of Florida, everything's connected together. You know, it's it's not as if you can just go forward with a a sports betting in a vacuum. We we need to be able to find that uh balance and and work on the connectivity between, you know, our existing paramutuals, what they would be able to offer, how sports betting would interact with them, uh as well as the uh seminal compact that that we have in place at this point and how it, that that would work. And, uh, and so therein lies the challenge. Even if Galvano is not successful in forging sports betting legislation before lawmakers are scheduled to adjourn in Tallahassee in March, supporters expect the pressure will mount in the years ahead to get the legislature to act. And if it does, expect all of this to eventually land in court. I think not just me, but any voter should be offended by the idea that the legislature convenes and concocts notions to get around the will of the people. So still to come, the possibility of sports betting in the sunshine economy? Well, we talked to the guy at the center of the gambling debate in the state legislature. If we are going to open up the issue of gaming, I believe it's time for us to have sports betting and to have it properly regulated and uh, to collect revenues for the state. Welcome back to the Sunshine Economy here on WLRN. Thanks again for listening and supporting public radio. Today we're talking about sports betting in Florida. It's impossible in Florida right now to place a legal bet on a sports game. It is legal in 20 states plus Washington, D.C. Not all of those states have begun to actually take bets yet, but they have approved laws or referenda to allow people to wager on sports like baseball, basketball, and football, including the Super Bowl. Bill Galvano is at the center of gambling in Florida and has been for many years as a state lawmaker. He's a Republican. His district is south of Tampa. Galvano is in the last year of his state legislative career. He's term limited out, and he's in the last year of his two-year term as the president of the Florida Senate. Galvano has led negotiations with the Seminole Tribe over its agreement with the state. The part of the deal that had granted the tribe a monopoly on certain casino games has expired so the tribe is no longer sending tens of millions of dollars in payments to the state each month. The lure of sports betting is big, and Galvano is among those who think he and his fellow lawmakers could legalize it if they can find the political muscle during the legislative session that's scheduled to end in mid-March. We spoke with Senate President Galvano from Tallahassee via Skype. If we did, in fact, have regulated and authorized uh, sports betting here within the state of Florida, creating revenues that the state could share in, it would uh, add significantly, exponentially uh, to that to that impact. 
Uh, what uh, I've come to understand in, in reviewing the issue of sports betting is that it, it is very parochial. And so th- actually having the Super Bowl within the state would would uh, spike revenues if we had legalized sports betting. Would it be Floridians placing those bets or, or visitors in Florida placing those bets by your estimation? Uh, you would have a mixture of both, but probably a large portion of the uh, bets that would be taking place would be from from visitors. And, you know, a lot depends on on how the sports betting itself was set up, whether it was the state of Florida itself that was geofenced or whether there are facilities that are geofenced and uh, which means either people are betting throughout the state or people are betting within certain facilities. Yeah, so if there were limitations, for instance, on geographically where you would have to be, where a better would have to be located to place that bet. Beyond the Super Bowl, though, I, I would imagine, would you not agree that it would be mostly Floridians placing these bets if oh, they were be al- would be allowed, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What is the priority uh, for the legislature and for your Senate leadership in this session when it comes to gaming is sports betting on that short list of priorities yeah i think if if we are going to open up the issue of gaming i believe sports betting is it's time for us to to have sports betting and to uh have it properly regulated and and uh, to collect revenues for 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 the state that could go to education for example or or other state needs um, as opposed to just having it operate within our our boundaries, uh, unregulated and illegally. Why is it time for sports betting to be regulated by the state of Florida? Do you think? Because it's here. It's it's these online gaming is becoming more and more uh, prevalent. What are the stakes uh, for the state of ignoring it? Well, I think if we if we ignore it, it, it will continue to proliferate. And uh, we may be missing uh, some some real opportunities uh, to, uh, to collect revenues that could go to to uh, needed areas within our our state budget, well, uh, like like education. Lottery so, money is earmarked for education. The gaming revenue generally goes into the general fund, of which big portions are healthcare and education, of course. Right. Uh, you know, would you be willing to entertain some kind of trust fund for sports betting revenue? Should that be considered? Well, as you said, you're correct with the the lottery dollars. And and when I was working on the uh, compact back in 2010, there was a push to have uh, the dollars earmarked for one particular silo. And I, I felt like uh, given that we had just been through a bad economic downturn and you don't often know where your needs are going to be. For example, like last session, we had a uh, almost a $2 billion impact from Hurricane Michael. I wanted to, to maximize uh, flexibility. And I, I think I my preference would still be to maximize uh, flexibility. But it may be that uh, in order for the people of Florida to get comfortable with with authorizing this type of activity that they would want to know that it was going to a specific area. So, yeah, that's not off the table. It would be something we would, I think, at least discuss. And one of the other moving parts here, and you've mentioned it directly and alluded to it, is, of course, the Seminole Tribe. 
uh, which for, uh, well, the state still has an agreement with the Seminole tribe. And for a good long time, there was a piece of that compact that was in play that provided for hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue from the tribe to the state for exclusivity in regards to banked card games, including blackjack and others. The the tribe last spring uh, stopped paying that because uh, that portion of the compact expired without a new agreement. Uh, is sports betting part of negotiating that piece of the compact with the tribe? Well, in other words, and, giving the tribe exclusivity in sports betting in and, Florida? And there's still an interest on their part to uh, work with the state. Online gaming and sports betting is is part of that discussion. And I think if we were to uh, modify the existing compact and, and renew a revenue share uh, the sports betting would be part of part of that, and that would not need voter approval in your estimation. Is that right? Correct. There are ways that it could be set up that could avoid that constitutional uh, challenge. How large is the sports betting market in Florida currently? Well, it, you know, I, I don't have exact numbers for you at this this point, but I do have some our professional staff taking taking a a look at. At what those numbers could be, but it would be uh, substantial. You know, we're collecting from our private paramutuals on the slots about 120 million uh, a year. Uh, you know, we we could probably see see numbers that uh, are, are very similar to those. How would you structure the state revenue? Would it be a percent of gross revenue bet? Would it be a percent of uh... Uh, payout? I, I, what is what is no, that? That's the that's yet to be determined. Given how it's structured previously, uh, what's the starting point for you? Well, I think the starting point is first to see if we we are even going to get into uh, get down the path of being able to <laughs> to, uh, to to authorize yeah uh, sports betting fair and enough there's a, there's a lot yeah there's a lot that has to uh occur yeah um what are some of those items that have to occur uh in the next you know several weeks of session before the scheduled end for any kind of gaming legislation to uh... well i think i think the the between the chambers there has to be some agreement as to uh what what games we're interested in in uh, having legislatively and and uh, how those games are operated. And for example, with with uh, sports betting, how are we in, would we do it? Are we in agreement that we would geofence the state, or is it a question of geofencing certain facilities? Once we could get past some of those issues, then it's a question of of where the Seminole Tribe is on on those issues and and how we could best negotiate that. What odds do you give sports betting for this legislative session, Senate President? Uh, it's it's a uh, it's a tough road to hoe. Let me put it that that way. I, I am interested in in exploring it, but I think the the odds are tough. That was Florida State Senate President Bill Galvano speaking with us recently from Tallahassee via Skype. Still to come, the voice that's been saying no to any new gambling in Florida for years, including sports betting. They overpromise the revenues that are there, and their solution 
when the when the revenues don't pan out is always the same. Well, you need to give us more gambling. Welcome to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. You can follow each of our programs on Twitter, at WLRN is our handle. John Sawinski has been involved in efforts to limit some powers of state lawmakers since the 1990s here in Florida. He's helped drive the voter initiative for term limits and a constitutional amendment banning certain types of fishing nets. He first took on gambling expansion in Florida in 1994. That year, Florida voters were asked if they wanted to expand gambling and allow casinos to open in several counties, including Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. It would have paved the way for two casinos in Miami Beach, for instance. It would also have allowed casinos at racetracks and allowed riverboat casinos in most Florida counties. The measure failed. It was Sawinski's first success at battling against the growth of casino gambling here in Florida. His latest success came in 2018. Sawinski is the president of No Casinos, the group that helped push Amendment 3, which does not allow gambling to expand unless Florida voters decide. The language of the amendment is at the heart of the debate over whether or not lawmakers could decide the fate of sports betting without asking voters. Sawinski does not think legislators can do it. And he doesn't think growing gambling in Florida would be financially beneficial. If you look at states across America that have recently legalized sports betting, um, the revenue on it's been incredibly disappointing. Um, states have not gotten sometimes a fraction of what was promised when it was legalized. And by the way, that's the track record of any form of gambling, is that they overpromise the revenues that are there and their solution when the, when the revenues don't pan out, is always the same. Well, you need to give us more gambling. There is a gambling uh, agreement that had been in place between the state and the Seminole Tribe, which uh, 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 runs the uh, Hard Rock Casinos. Uh, those payments from the Seminole Tribe to the state for the exclusive right for banked card games, blackjack, and whatnot, uh, are no longer being paid. If there is a new gaming compact between the tribe and the state, does that have to go? to a statewide vote, in your estimation, under Amendment 3's language? In our, the Amendment 3 says that it does not affect the ability of the tribe, of, of any Native American tribe in the state of Florida, to enter into compacts pursuant to the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act. It is very, very clear that if there is a simple renewal of the types of games that are already in existence on tribal property and were already authorized by the state, that that does not require a referendum. But yet, if the tribe wanted to get into the sports book business, like the tribe is in New Jersey, it would have to go to a full state vote. I've heard lawyers argue both sides of that question <laughs> as to whether or not it conforms with IGRA to introduce a new form of gambling that's IGRA. not otherwise authorized. Uh, Indian Gaming Regulatory Act, I'm sorry. Um, uh, if it is not already authorized for people to participate in within the state. The economics of this are certainly in play, and you alluded to them earlier the tens of millions of dollars that could be at stake in terms of state revenue, uh, depending upon how any kind of legislation or any kind of regulation around uh, sports betting uh, could take shape. 
Uh, how is the Florida voter to look at that opportunity? Our belief, based on studies that have been done throughout the country, is that when gambling is expanded, it does nothing more than cannibalize existing commerce that's already going on. So a dollar spent on sports betting or some other form of gambling is a dollar not spent in a bar, a movie theater, a restaurant, whatever. The other thing that you have to look at is that there are some people, and it's a small percentage of people, but there are some people that get addicted to gambling and there are social costs associated with that. And so we would argue that that revenue is net revenue because because of those facts. Now, if you look at sports betting in particular, I want to make very, very clear to listeners that this is not our grandfathers or our fathers or even what we think of as sports betting, what's being proposed to be legalized. It also includes what's called props betting or in-play betting, um, where there's bets taking place. You download an app and you're betting on will the next series of downs begin with a pass or a handoff? Or will the next ball thrown be a ball or a strike? Or will the will will Tiger sink this putt and one or not? How is Florida to compete with other states that are uh, that that have approved sports betting? Uh, New Jersey, New Hampshire, uh, Nevada. We're, we're to compete by them by not making the same mistake, not robbing our economy of money that's 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 thrown out and funneled into the hands of a few, but rather on on options and spending and discretionary spending that lifts the entire economy. Couldn't it be legitimizing that, though, to capture that within a regulatory environment for the betting that is happening? Well, I, listen, we've done a lot of surveys. I don't. There's not tons and tons. I know people think about it in a vacuum, but the number, the, the, the consumer appetite for betting of any kind is pretty small, and of sports betting in particular is smaller. I know people who are sports enthusiasts might say, well, wait a minute here. Just look at the revenue figures across the country. As soon as the Supreme Court decision came down on sports betting, most gambling operators that I've spoken with and others say it's a pretty thin margin business at the end of the day. There's a lot of risk on the part of the house. Um, Where it's a big deal is where it's used as kind of an attraction around tournaments and things like that to bring more people into a casino to do other things, if it, as it were. And if you look at any study that's been done of gambling in Florida, it's not gambling that brings in tourists. It's gambling that seeks our citizens as patrons. In fact, studies done by Spectrum Gaming, which was a pro-gambling organization, they work for the industry, assumed that if there was a destination resort casino in Miami, that 95% of the money that would be spent in that casino would be from residents, be they winter residents, long-term residents, be they just seasonal residents or folks who are here year-round, not by drawing tourists to it. And so anything that's done in this regard takes money out of our economy. It doesn't put money into our economy. And if you look at the states that have done it, the, the, the revenue that's been generated has been abysmal. So you know what the industry says? Oh, well, let's not just uh, restrict the betting then to when you're sitting in the arena. Let's make it to where anywhere you're walking around um, on Brickell Avenue or anywhere else that, uh, that you can bet there, not just, uh, you know, not just in the arena. And so 
the solution by gambling interests when gambling fails to produce the revenue that's promised is to give them more gambling. And so, you know, to the rest of the states, and, and Florida has benefited from having a wait-and-see approach on gambling. Let's wait and see how this goes. And in the 1990s, when there was a big push of gambling being expanded throughout the country, um, F Florida voters turned down in 1994 and watched as other states saw what happened to be like failure to produce revenues, business failures, adjudicated mob activity, official corruption. The governor of one state was, was given a trunk with $400,000 in it for a casino permit. I mean, so it, we dodged a lot of bullets by having a wait-and-see attitude when everybody else is on the go-go train for more gambling. And I, I, think we, I think the same is true of sports gambling, that Florida benefits from Amendment 3 that uh, that uh, that we get to wait and see, and that Florida voters have the final say is um, is is what's required by law. Are you in favor of any sports betting in Florida if Florida voters would approve it? Well, we'd make the case against it, and we'd respect whatever the will of the people is, and and we we think that. Those who are for it should be willing to make the case for it and respect whatever the will of the people is, not for look look for ways around, um, you know, a, a, an important provision of Florida's constitution. So, no casinos is committed to no sports betting at all in Florida. Yeah, we're opposed. To, our position is that we're opposed to the expansion of gambling in Florida. Uh, we're not looking to roll back the clocks or anything on what's what's here and what's legal. But uh, we're opposed to, to any expansion. The reason no casinos is opposed to any expansion of gambling in Florida is that it's the wrong social and economic policy for the state. Um, the revenue that's generated by gambling is phantom revenue because it comes out of some other pocket uh, of expenditures that are otherwise taxed in the state. And it comes with a boatload of social costs as it relates to addiction, um, that we as a society pick up the pieces when, when, some, when a few people throw away their lives on things. And so uh, on balance, the social and economic costs are greater than whatever benefits uh, come with it. That was John Sawinski. He heads up No Casinos, a special interest group that is against expanding gambling in Florida, including sports betting. Now, still to come, a voice supporting the push to collect sports bet in the Sunshine State. Our geography, our advantageous climate, and, and built-in tourism industry are tailor-made for sports wagering success. We're back on the Sunshine Economy. Thanks again for listening. I'm Tom Hudson. Daniel Wallach says he's not a gambler, at least not anymore. The one and only time in my life I've wagered on sports was in 1978 when I was in 10th grade. Wallach went to school in New York. He lives in Fort Lauderdale now. It wasn't just one bad bet back when he was a sophomore in high school. He remembers being in the hole several thousand dollars after betting on several losing teams. And so a lot was riding on one final bet. If I lost that bet, uh, I, my, my personal safety would have been imperiled. And I would have had to have come clean to my parents, 
middle, they were middle class family, not a lot of money there. And to go to your parents and say that you were, as a 15-year-old, that you were $5,000 in the hole, uh, not exactly the best set of circumstances uh, for one's standing in the household as well as one's you know personal standing and physical standing outside of the household. Wallach remembers the game that night. He remembers calling a phone service called Sports Phone. 976-1313. It was the forerunner to the internet. Yeah, he would call the number and hear a 60-second update on the latest sports scores. Each call would cost a dime. On that night in 1978, the Portland Trailblazers beat the Golden State Warriors and beat the spread. That gave Wallach the win. While he says he hasn't bet on sports since, other than a March Madness office pool, he has become one of the top go-to lawyers arguing for the expansion of legal sports betting since the U.S. Supreme Court opened the way for states to okay it almost two years ago. His law firm, Wallach Legal, is based in Fort Lauderdale, and he has a short description of what he thinks sports betting could look like if it's allowed in Florida. One word, mobile. I think that's where we're headed ultimately. The states that have rolled out legal sports betting have had a uh, dual component to their regulatory environment. They allow uh, on-site betting at casinos, racetracks, and in some cases bars, restaurants, and sports stadiums. Uh, But those states that also roll out mobile wagering and make it accessible statewide from a from a you know mobile device smartphone app or computer have seen their handles uh become outsized you know revenues and and betting handles have spiked significantly due to the presence and avail and widespread availability of mobile wagering and we are increasingly an internet focused commercial environment we buy our movie tickets uh, do our banking stock trading any solution short of a statewide mobile solution uh, would be deleterious to the performance of sports betting statewide. It would negatively impact the state uh, you know, tax collections. It would prevent the state and the operators from reaching their full potential. And everybody, every operator would lose because it would uh, artificially depress uh, the potential sports betting handle if you had restrictions to, that, that you had to drive or, or physically be in person at a brick-and-mortar facility or register in person at a brick-and-mortar facility. I think the most sensible sports betting framework would be a combination of the two. What's the net impact of the potential of legal sports betting? And I ask that... Uh, because the opposition to this, as you know, will cite research, has cited research that finds that uh, gaming, gambling uh, has very little net impact on uh, on an economy as opposed to uh, just moving the kind of economic impact around from bars, restaurants, other entertainment venues into gaming establishments. One need look no further than any Super Bowl weekend. Um, you know, the Las Vegas con- Visitors and Convention Bureau, they release statistics every post-Super Bowl as to how many unique visitors came to Las Vegas just for the Super Bowl weekend, even though the game is taking place hundreds, if not thousands of miles away. Uh, sports betting and big games like the Super Bowl and the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament are magnets for visitation. If Florida were to legalize sports betting, you could conceivably see an uptick in visitation to casinos and to this state from tourists outside outside our state boundaries. Possibly, but as you mentioned, 20 states already have sports betting, so the days of having to go to the book at Caesars in Las Vegas on the Strip yeah. are long gone. Well, it's still it's still taking place. You don't I have mean, to get on the airplane anymore. Uh, but 
But uh, if, you, if, if it's December, January, cold winter, winter month, and you have an opportunity to go to Las Vegas or Miami uh, for a major event or, you know, for like, like, a, like a, boxing, a boxing match, a Super Bowl or an NCAA Final Four, it's, it's certainly much more palatable than placing the wager in Trenton, New Jersey or, or you know, uh, or, you know uh, Manchester, New Hampshire. You think sensible sports betting in Florida does not lead to sports books freestanding in commercial districts? Highly unlikely. We have yet to see that occur in the 20 states that have launched. I think as far as it's going to get in this state uh, will be the existing uh, racinos, racetracks, high life facilities, the tribal casinos, and equally important, the professional sports stadiums and arenas. Uh, Because I think in order to make the um, retail environment work best and to maximize the opportunity and the potential, it makes a whole lot of sense to bring sports betting to where the action is, uh, where millions of consumers pass through turnstiles watching sporting events every year. Uh, I think this is a critical moment in Florida's uh, gaming history. We've come off of Um, a number of years, successive years, of failed uh, proposed gambling expansion. The downside for Florida to not act here is, one, it would facilitate the flight of tourism and our in-state residents to neighboring states to do the kind of activity that is currently flourishing in the illegal market. And it prevents the migration of our tourism dollars to other states because today it's 20 states. A year from now, it could be 30 states. And among the states that could have it are Georgia, Alabama, um, you know, all the states in the southeast region of the U.S. could pose a competitive threat to Florida's gaming environment. And we have 30 paramutual you know, licensed entities in this state uh, r- r- running the gamut from card rooms to uh, highlight. Uh, frontons, dog tracks, racetracks, they need the economic stimulation because they are, uh, they're, losing, they're losing business to other states. They're losing business to other categories of gambling and, and just to other activities generally. They need the boost. Does sports betting in Florida need to be across those kinds of operations? In other words, not an exclusive Right. Of, say, for instance, the Seminole tribe, which has had exclusive gaming contracts in the past with the state. I'm of the belief that state legislation should not play favorites. Uh, There should be an open, competitive environment because, you know, let the best product win. Give consumers uh, a choice among a multitude of different operators. Certainly, we have to protect our in-state gaming interests, the tribes should be able to offer sports wagering. So should the horse race tracks, the greyhound tracks, the high lie venues, the professional sports teams. There should be uh, a variety of different opportunities for sports betting in Florida and in every state. If we have um, you know, in excess of 20 operators along with mobile and internet-based wagering, this state can become one of the powerhouse uh, markets for sports betting nationally and then begin to attract the kind of visitation and tourism that has you know, been left largely to Nevada over the years. Our geography, our advantageous climate, and, and built-in tourism industry are tailor-made for sports wagering success. Lawyer Daniel Wallach, his Fort Lauderdale firm, focuses on the legal sports betting business. Still to come, a new story of money and the price of life in South Florida. This isn't where I want to be at 40. You know, I look at my kids and I look at 
you know, my wife and I, this isn't what I want for us. You want to be in a different place. Are we going to ever get back to like where we were before? That story's coming up. <laughs> 